Aloha. So the Tomaselli family has finally gave in to something that's pretty new to us. We all got membership at Spencer's Gym. Can I get a witness, right? I know you say choo-hoo right now, but my body don't feel like choo-hoo right now, all right? I am gloriously, wonderfully made, but I'm being developed. Can I get a witness out there? Right, we went there. I've been there three times already this week. And let me tell you, learning or relearning or learning new stuff is difficult. Can I get a witness out there, right? I mean, I, mean, I know how to work out, right? I coach for a living. For many years I've coached. I know what to tell uh, boys and girls what to do. But to apply it is really hard right now. So I'm kind of hypocritical for the last couple of years when it came to my health. But we finally gave in and we finally spent and invested finances in our health. Can I get a witness out there, right? And so we went there, so, so pray for us. But when it comes to learning something new, there's this word called discipline. Say it out with me, disciplines, right? And I want to uh, share with you what discipline is defined as from a leadership guru named Craig Groeschel. Ho'omaukaukau. Craig Groeschel says, discipline is bridging the gap between who you are and who you want to be, does that hit you today? All one of you, amen, right? Does that hit you today, right? In order for us to experience God, I believe there is some unique disciplines that is foundational in us going from who we are to who we want to be. And I want to be very clear about this statement. These words aren't pointing us to a better me. This statement is not directly pointing us to a better you. If you've been in Ohana Church any, uh, for any time or period, you would understand that we are very gospel-centered, meaning that our conversations, our messages, our songs, our testimonies is all about who? Jesus. So the way we view this is uh, a lot of Christians believe, right, that we got to do something in order to be in right fellowship and right standing with God. But that is the opposite of the truth. I want everyone to hear, in, hear me in this room. I'll be clear to the day I'm not Kahu at this church or to the day I die. Nothing you bring to the table matters when it comes to Christianity. The only thing that you bring to the table, we preach every week, is the sin that was necessary for God to die on your behalf, period. And that's the truth. We are sinful. Listen to me. We, we also say cliche words like WWJD, right? What would, help me out, Jesus do? That is totally opposite of the gospel. It's not what would Jesus do. It is what has Jesus done? When we lead from that posture, we understand that there is nothing I can do, you can do, that is deserving of a relationship with God. If God has not done it, you are sunk today, Hawaiian. Let me preach to the choir today. If God has not done the work of salvation in you, you have not experienced the true God of the gospel. The work of God is 100 completely done by his own. He does not need your kokua or my kokua to do it. He is God. 
And what he has done allows us to do what we need to do, but you see the extension of that? Because of God's mercy and grace, what he's done for you and I, now we can live the gospel. Have you guys tried to be good? Can I get a hands raised in here? Okay, uh, several of you, let me say that again. Has anyone in this room who are real human beings tried to be good in here? What happens when you try to be good in and of yourself? What? Okay, I just wanted to make sure. You fail. Why? Because you ain't all that. You not all that. How I know? Let's go on the starting line right now and all of us run one mile. I promise you, majority of us will not make it. Because... <laughs> I know I'm not going to make it. I promise you that, Hawaiian. I can barely lift a 45-pound bob, you know? That's the reality. The gospel is not about what you have done or what you do or don't do. The gospel is very clear. It's about what God has already accomplished and done on the cross. We'll talk about more of that this week through Passion Week. You aren't all that, therefore you need somebody all that that can fix you. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. What we're doing, we're going through a series, through our verse-by-verse study, through the Gospel of Mark. And the Gospel of Mark is very clear through these last teachings of parables. And I want to I help you understand this new series called Finding Purpose through the goal of this series. It's found on the screen. The goal of this series is to find purpose in the what? teachings of Jesus. Say it out with me one more time, all together. One, two, three. The goal of this series is to find purpose in the teachings of Jesus. And what we've preached to you for the last few weeks is creating disciplines to bridge the gap between who you are and who you want to be. And here's those three disciplines we talked about for the last three weeks. We asked you to prepare your heart by praying. Asking God to clear your thoughts and clear your heart to receive from him in his word. Number two, we've asked you to be ready in note-taking. I can promise you this. Many of you sleep during lectures and seminars and Sunday service because you just suck at taking notes. Can I get a witness out there, right? Sorry, we say that at Ohana Church, all right? You just don't have good discipline skills. So I would encourage you, whether you have a smartphone or a stupid phone, to use it today, all right, and take notes, amen, glory, hallelujah, amen, right? Jot down what you learn because the heart of this is not that you just hear something and go out the other ear, but you would write things down. And I heard an NFL player says this, it is not an honest goal until it's written down. And so our goal is to look more like Christ every day. And so as we do this, here's the disciplines. Pray, take notes, and lastly, what goes in you must what? Come out of you. Whatever that means to you, it's true spiritually and physically. All right? You are, listen to me, you are what you eat, Hawaiian. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, you are what you eat. And tell your daughter, neighbor, you don't know. Say, neighbor, you are what you eat. So if you eat Kahlua pig, fish, and poi, I'm a big boy, you're going to look like that, Hawaiians, all right? <laughs> Guilty, right? You're going to look like that. So know this. Let's feast and eat, may I, on God's ono word. Would you turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4? And as you are turning there, you may stand with me in the reading of God's word. And as you turn there, remember this. Mark is a little different from Matthew Luke and John. 
Mark is the shortest gospel book, and it's short for a reason. Mark only highlights some of these big experiences that they had with Jesus. And it is our desire to not just do topical messages, and we hardly do topical messages, but devote ourselves to book studies in the Bible verse by verse. We've accomplished Ephesians, we've accomplished Acts, we've accomplished Philemon, and now we are going through this verse by verse study through the Gospel of Mark. Ho'omau kaukau. Jesus says this in verse 26. He says, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter what? Scatter what? On the ground. He sleeps and he rises night and day. And the seed sprouts and grows. He, not, he knows not how. There it produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, can I get a witness out there, right? Onolicious, right? Here we go. When the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the what? Sickle. Because the harvest has come. What has come? God, we need you today. Yesu keokua. We don't need to go through the emotions of church. We need to experience you genuinely today. God, fill us with you. Purify the things that are ungodly in our lives. Help us to repent and trust in you as our creator. In Jesus' name we pray, and God's ohana says, amen. You may be seated. The title of my message is, The Harvest is Here. Say that with me. One, two, three. The harvest is here. Now, I want you to really say it. One, two, three. The harvest is here. Now, let's say it the pigeon way. Knock your neighbor and eh. Say eh. The harvest is here, bro. Now, gender, she's a woman, say sis. All right, all right, tita. But the harvest is here. And Jesus starts with, Dennis, let me preach. And Jesus starts this parable with the root of the harvest by explaining what the kingdom of God is. And so before we go deeper into what the kingdom of God is like, I want to present to you what the kingdom of God is not. Right? It's always good to understand what you're studying, what you're researching, and to really connect what it is not also as what it is. And the kingdom of God is not a democracy. Can I get a witness out there? It's not based on a society voting on a qualified or unqualified leader. Can I get a witness out there? It's not based on them voting on a mayor, a governor, a prime minister, legislature, a president, right? It it, it is not a democracy. Secondly, the kingdom of God is not even a monarchy. It is not ran by earthly kings and queens. In addition, listen to me, Hawaiians. Listen strong to me. I want to be sensitive in how I say this to you, Hawaiians, by blood, by birth, all right? The kingdom of God, in addition, is not a fallen or stolen nation that's trying to regain its sovereignty. That is not the kingdom of God. Let me share with you what the kingdom of God is. It's not on the screen, but take notes, all right? Practice this discipline. The kingdom of God is a theocracy. 
Say that word with me, theocracy. And what that means is that God is sovereignly ruling and controlling this world all by himself. He's a theocracy God. He doesn't need our help or anyone's help. He is all fine by himself. And this is what separates him from humans, right? He's God. We are not. Right? That's what separates us. And this is clear because he is the creator and we are the what? Creation. God does not respond to his creation. Creation responds to God. Are you with me? God is always fully in control. And I want to give you a definition about God's kingdom from Mahanai Father named Pastor Vance Pittman, who led me to Jesus. He says this, that the kingdom of God is God's sovereign activity in the world, resulted in people being rightly related to himself. Are you with me this morning? Are you sure? Let me say it a little slower, okay? The kingdom of God is God's activity in the world, resulting in people being in right relationship or related to himself. So there's three ways this is fleshed out. If you get anything out of today's service, this is the one thing I want you to hear clearly. That Christianity is about relationships. Can I get a witness up there? And this is how it's fleshed out in three ways. Number one, Christianity is about a relationship with God. Amen? Secondly, a relationship with God's ohana. And third, a relationship with the world. If you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus was consistently involved with his relationship with God the Father, his relationship with his disciples, his family, and his relationship with the world. And I believe as we honor God today with his word, you will see that a right understanding of God's kingdom will lead us to a right understanding of the harvest. Are you ready for the harvest today? Then let's feast on God's kingdom today. We'll find, I promise you, a lot of you have issues with what is your purpose for your life. I promise you, we're going to answer that today. A lot of you are waiting and trying things to find purpose in your life. And today's text will give you one thing, purpose. Purpose when it comes to be a kingdom man or a kingdom woman or a kingdom child. What does it mean to live this kingdom life? Well, let's look at the text. Here's three parts about the kingdom of God. Number one, we see kingdom sowing. Our story begins with a man. We call that man a farmer. And it says, the text says that the kingdom of God is like a man throwing seed. Now, the word, the word as if is also the word we can use uh, is like, all right? For instance, in our Hawaiian pigeon-ness, can I get a witness out there, all right? When we explain pigeon words, we use the two words is what? Like, for instance, I grew up in Papaiko, and us country boys love mongoose bikes. Anybody remember the mongoose bikes, the GT bikes, right? Back when I could sit on one back in the day, Hawaiians, right? And you guys remember, right? We, we would use a word to describe anything we like growing up in Hawaii. All right, you guys ready? And it, it was the word cherry. 
Can I get a witness, right? And brothers and sisters, this word cherry we're talking about is not the blizzard ice cream where you put the cherry on top of wine. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? But, but when we say cherry, it's like using is like saying, oh, brother, that mongoose bike, help me out, is cherry. <laughs> right? Right? Oh, oh, when somebody makes a proclamation of, man, I just passed my GED, we would say, all right, right? Well, what does that mean? All right, brother, right? <laughs> it's like, right? Oh, oh, we would have another word that would say, yes, I bless her. Can I get a witness, right? And, all that. and when we say, yes, I bless her, what we're really saying, brother, we're blessed. And what we see in this text is that we see a beautiful picture of what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is like a man throwing seed. And what we've got to look at is a representation of what the man represents and what the seed represents. So the man is symbolic for the messenger. The seed is symbolic for the word of God. In fact, if you look at the Gospel of Luke chapter 8, it gives us a clear understanding of this and affirms the word of God being the seed. He says, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God, as we see in Luke verse 8. And so in week 1, Cajon Marcus did a great job of exegeting the first few verses where the emphasis was on the soil. All right. In this part of the text, in these verses, it's not talking about the soil now, or it's not even talking about the man. It's really putting emphasis on the what? The seed, right? The seed. And here's a life application. You hear me out. Here's a life application. Let the word loose and watch what it works. Watch it work. Let the word loose. Let the seed go and watch the seed move. Listen to me, the seed is not dependent on whether or not the farmer, listen to me, whether the farmer has kuleana on the seed. The seed's going to grow whether or not the farmer takes care of it. Because the power is not in the farmer, the power is in the seed. Listen to me, I don't think you're getting it. The power of the gospel is not you and me, the power of the gospel is the word of God. How can we rightly relate to God, rightly relate to one another and the world apart from his word? You let the gospel go. Watch what it does. And here's two misunderstandings about this text. Number one, we put too much emphasis on man works rather God. We look at the farmer and the man, man, he's a godly man. No. That message, that seed is the, is the fruit. That seed is the meat. And number two, we put too much effort in trying to use attractional means to get people's attention to come to Jesus. I'm in a lot of church planning conversations. And when I first started, sorry, I get this loose little mongoose going on back here. When we first started, there was a church planner in our network. And he said, you know what? We're not getting much growth in our church. And you know what I think we need to do? We need to get a Mickey Mouse costume and stand in front of the church and invite everybody to church with that Mickey Mouse Hello. God don't need Mickey Mouse. God don't need you. God don't need me. Let the seed go and watch it do its job. 
Let the truth be known. Let it be preached. James 1.21 says it this way. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the what? Implanted word, which is able to save what? Your soul. So the kingdom of God begins with the word of God. We know this in Genesis 1.1. God said with his own mouth, his word, he said, let there be what? Light. And what happened? There's light. Come on, y'all. You don't need to be a theologian to know that, right? In John 1, 1, it says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and help me out, the Word was God. If all we have is the gospel of Jesus Christ, we good. We good. The kingdom of God starts and ends with God's Word, because God's Word is enough. And I said this before, but I want to make it clear. The living word, here's the biblical truth. The living word, Jesus, is revealed to us through the written word. The way we know Jesus today, how we have fellowship with God, how we have intimacy with God, is through his written word. And this word has endured the struggles of time, saints. It has endured time after time of science and people that have come against it. It has lasted world wars. It has lasted the beginning of time. It has been the best-selling book of all time. God's word is enough. But is that true for your life today? Or are we trying to use gimmicks and and, uh, attractional things to make people come to Jesus? What I'm excited about is that we have people who have come back to the family. Because they realize that all they need is God's word. They don't need a band to fulfill them. They don't need this outside fix to fulfill them. Jesus is, help me out, enough. So we see a kingdom sowing, but number second part, we see kingdom growing. In verse 27 and 28, it says, He, the man, sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. The man knows not how it does it. The earth produces by itself first the blade then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. Listen to me. The kingdom of God is a process. There is a process in how we see the seed sprout, the word of God sprout, and how it presents precious grain. And at times, I'll be honest, for me, it's a mystery. It's a mystery. I mean, for me, discipleship, right? Discipleship is like going in circles. You think some people are getting it? Then guess what? They fail you. Wait, let me put my finger to myself. You think I'm cool? Oh, Kaho, this is a cool Kaho. I fail you too. That is why everything must be rooted and planted in the Word of God. It is a process. And this process, listen to me, listen to me, is slow, Hawaiians. Can I get a witness out there? It's slow. And so is the kingdom of God. A theologian once says that the coming of the kingdom of God is not going to be like a tsunami or a volcano eruption. The kingdom of God is a slow process. What does this mean for our salvation in the Lord Jesus? Look at me. Look, look at me, everybody, look at me. Looking like Jesus. You ready? Takes time. So when you get frustrated with your child who grew up in church and not acting like the messages we preach... It takes time. When your mother or father not looking like Jesus. Keiki, it takes time. It's a process. And, and though that process hurts, 
Here is the promise of the gospel. It will sprout. It will bear fruit. It will do what it's, what it's called to do. And that's why it can't be determined by what we do for God, rather what he does in and through us. Here's a heart check. We need to repent in thinking that our attractional events or, ch- or catchy programs could replace or be the answer to life change. I'm guilty of failure in this area. You don't even know this church how much money we have spent for this community and not really seen life change because of it. I promise you this, moving forward, less is more. <laughs> Yesterday's Ohana group with my four men, I didn't pay nothing. Shoot, they didn't even, like, even eat my bananas, these guys. Shame on them. We're going to teach these hollies when they come here and we give them something for eat. They got a what, Hawaiians? You know, if my mama was still alive, this fiery Hawaiian, this short little Filipino Hawaiian, she would crack people. I promise you that in the name of Jesus. And you know what, bro? They're not liking my bananas. And I try for, for help them help me so I don't need to eat the bananas, you know? But it is what it is, right? The, the, what we got to understand is less is more in some cases. I remember when we first came, Kahu Marcus and I, how many uh, flyers we passed out for the church? 15,000 flyers. Guess how much people showed up? One. And she was from another church. They just never have Sunday night service. So she came and she lived down the road. And her and her, her boys and I used to play football together. So she supported us. And then when we left, we lost her because we had Sunday morning services. Right? What am I saying? Right? Don't try to overthink this gospel thing, Hawaiians. If you got this, say it with me. It's enough. It's enough. Oh, we don't have a big youth group. Our youth group is doing cool things and all that. Hey, if you got this, it's enough, right? Well, we don't have a rich church. Our church is half well-fail, bro. They well-fail money. They don't give money. They give love, a law. We like more than a law. We like money over here, you know what I'm saying? It costs to run these bills in here, you know what I'm saying? Hey, if you have this, it's enough. Got to get a witness out there. It's enough. When God plants... Man, it grows. It blossoms. Isaiah 55 says this about the word of God. So shall my word be that goes out from my what? Mouth. This is God talking. It shall not return to me what? Can I get a chihu up in here, saints? Right up. But it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So listen to me. Kingdom growth is a process. Let's make this more personal. Tap on your neighbor. Tap on your neighbor. And if that's your husband, tap him harder, woman. All right? Say, hey. No, say them louder. Say, hey. You in process. Now, 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 the wife, wife, tap them back. Tap them back. Everybody tap each other back, right? Say, hey. You too. Hey, find value in this, guys. But it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the things for which I sent it. Here's a life application for us today. Trust in the process. Take comfort in that the reality that if God said it, say it with me. 
he will do it. An old song says that he's an on-time God. And he may not be on your timetable, Hines. But in the nick of time, God is faithful. God cannot lie. That's not his character. He's the opposite of lying. He's truth. God is faithful. First Thessalonians, one of my favorite verses says this. He who calls you is what? Faithful. And he will surely do it. I don't know where you are in life, but let those words ring loud and proud in your heart today. May your puvai feel these words off the pages of this Bible. That if God calls, he is faithful. He will surely do it. And listen to me. Once the process begins in salvation, it is continued to be completed. Because what God starts, he completes. Because he is God. His kingdom is alive. Listen to me. His kingdom is alive and well and growing as we speak. Whether or not, if you see it. God's kingdom is alive and well. Lastly, it will be Pauhana. We see kingdom harvesting. Our story ends in verse 29. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle. Because the harvest has come. This points to the fulfillment of redemption. I don't know if you guys know this. But the entire Bible has one theme. From Genesis to the last book of Revelation, there's one theme in the scriptures. Here's the one word, redemption. Redemption. One of my favorite songs is Bob Marley's redemption song. It is so clear about scripture, believe it or not. It talks about that God, God is coming to restore and redeem things that were lost in creation. What was lost? Our relationship with God because of what Adam and Eve did in the garden. And God's kingdom is growing. And at one point in time, there will be a process of harvesting. Listen to me. The gospel we preach here at Ohana Church is not a weak gospel. The gospel is able to rescue and save those who are far from him. You can look around in this room and you will find probably the worst criminals in this church right now. Though literally, you, I'm telling you right now, we know one Catholic church, but get confession every week in my office. Every week. We got murderers in this church. Did you know that? We got sex offenders in this church. Did you know that? You guys ready? We get people who get problems in this church. We get hypocrites. We get people who aren't devoted and faithful to their spouse. Listen to me. I don't say that to belittle anybody. I say that because that's why this church exists. This church exists to love people to the beauty of Christ, even in their heaven, their sin. Because that's what the gospel has called us to be. 
The gospel has called us to be salt and light, as we learned last week with Jacob's message. We preach a powerful gospel message. It's not a pansy, weak message. God's word is able to rescue those who are far from him. Romans 1 says this about how we should react if we've experienced the gospel. It says, for I am not, what, ashamed of the gospel. It's on the screen. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who what? Believes. To the Jew first and also to the what? Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from what? Faith to faith. That is as it is written. The righteous shall what? Live by faith. What does that mean? The gospel that we preach is a gospel that's able to redeem murderers. The gospel we preach is a gospel that is able to redeem sex offenders. Hear me out. The gospel is strong enough to even redeem those who think they're perfect. And no more caca. Oh no, we get caca. We get junk. And where we come in line with this kingdom harvest is that God, what he does, he completes. Here's three action steps about this verse, Romans 1. Number one, we are to be unashamed about our relationship with Jesus. My football boys would all tell you that I pray with them. Now, I could lose my job tomorrow for doing stuff like that. But I'm ashamed on Jesus. You should be unashamed of Jesus. Number two, we are empowered by the gospel. Meaning that's what gives us motivation right, is Christ. Number three, we are made righteous in the gospel by Christ. Therefore, listen to me, Hawaiians, Hawaiians at heart, there's a harvest out there, and we are called to be God's hands and feet. I mean, this is, it's like a football game, right? You go, in the locker room before the game, the coaches calls all the football players to gather together, and the coach's job is to motivate the players to do something on the field, to win, to be victorious, and he's going to give the best speeches. I've done many of them in the last six years. I said, guys, we're going to get knocked down, but what? We're going to get up. We're going to count on Monday to Thursday's practices, all the conditionings, all the agilities, everything we've done, we've done. We've left it at the practice field. We're at Walm Stadium today, and we're going to knock some heads, and we're going to Show them why this town is called Hilo. Can I get a witness out there, right? This is why this district is called Hilo. It's not called YKL. It's not called Kamehameha. 96720 is, help me out, Hilo. So I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 let's go. Right? That is what today is. Today is a locker room party of God's kingdom agenda. If you did not get it today, we came and we sang to the king of all kings. We have a reason to be excited today. That's why I pushed the chairs back because I spit more these days, you know. Now, the joy of the gospel, listen to me, is that we get to be a part of something that's eternal. And that's the kingdom of God. Are you ready to reap the harvest today? Are you ready to reap the harvest today? Because God's kingdom is alive and is well. It's not determined by what I do or you do, but it's determined what he's already done. Therefore, him living in us and through us for the glory of his name will be accomplished right here in little old Hilo. Right? What good can come out of Hilo? 
or some crazy homestead boys and girls, you know what I'm saying? Some welfare food stamp boys and girls. Some people who are far away from the truth, but the gospel of Jesus Christ is everything. Now, if you're from Waikia, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. That wasn't the heart of it. All right, you part of Hilo. All right, there you go. I want you to see a last part. <laughs> Dennis is going to get me after this. Pray for me. All right. I want you to see in this text where it talks about the sickle. It says when, when it's ripe, there's a process, and ultimately the, the, the farmer will get his sickle and he will cut the harvest. This sickle is very intentional about the end times, meaning that it represents God's coming back to redeem all those who trust in him as Lord and Savior, past and present, but it also means God is coming with a big judgment on sin. That those who rejected him and rejected the gospel will be sickled out for all eternity. Meaning they will be separated from the Lord for all eternity. Revelation 14 says it this way. It's up on the screen. I looked and behold a white cloud. And seated on the cloud one like a son of man. With a golden crown on his head. And a sharp, help me out, sickle in his hand. And another angel came out of the temple, calling with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, put in your sickle and what? Reap. For the hour to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is fully what? Ripe. So he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle across the earth, and the earth was reaped. As the band comes up, I want you to hear this. Jacob says it. Kahumarkis says it. The problem is not whether or not you know of Jesus. The problem is that when Jesus comes back, would you have an intimate love relationship with him? Philippians 2 says this, there's no name greater than the name of Jesus. At every knee will bow, whether you confess him or not. In heaven, on earth, under the earth, they will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Hear me out. Will that confession be a relationship with the Lord Jesus? Or will that confession be a rejection to the Lord Jesus? Today, I beg you, by the mercies of God, check your heart. Do you have a personal love relationship with Jesus? Or are you just playing church this morning? If you took your last breath here on earth, do you know for certain you would spend eternity with the Lord Jesus? Not based on what you have done, but based on what the scripture says he has done for you and through you. It's a time of response. How should we react or respond to today's message? Luke gives us an understanding of this. In chapter 10 of verse 2, it says, And Jesus said to their followers, his followers, 
The harvest is what? The harvest is what? But the laborers are what? And Jesus gives us to the answers of the laborers. You ready? Therefore, pray. And he gives an extra emphasis of that prayer. The second word, you ready? Pray what? Earnestly. With all your mana. With all you got. Which by Isaiah's standards is not much. But pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest. To send out laborers into the harvest. We're going to pray today, if you did not know that. This gospel I preach is not a popular gospel. Christianity throughout history was never popular. We look at America and we think America is a Christian nation. No. America has lost their theological understanding of the gospel many years ago. The gospel is never about you primarily. The gospel is about Christ. But here's what makes the gospel rich. That God would not leave you in your slumber. In his grace and in his mercy, God has called you out of darkness and placed you in Christ.